welcome back to the All In Podcast. Pastor Tim Aiken, have the honor and privilege of being the pastor here at First Baptist Church, Douglasville. So whether you're watching or you are listening tonight, just a special announcement up front. We'll have one more All In Podcast next week, and then we'll take a break for all of June and for all of July. So for the summer, and then we'll come back to the All In Podcast every Wednesday night, we'll come back to that uh, in the fall. And of course, you can listen to that uh, all the ways that you listen to your podcast. You can watch the video if you'd like to watch the video as well. And again, our focus uh, on the All In Podcast is we as a church this year, in 2021, we want to go all in with Jesus, with His church, and with His mission. We're talking about this every single Uh, Sunday on Sunday morning during our services. We're preaching about this, and then we take what we're preaching on and preaching through, and then I just dive even deeper into that here on uh, the All In podcast. So today, uh, we're going to continue this focus on our relationship series. We'll end our focus on our relationship series next week when we go deeper into marriage and family. We're going to be talking about marriage this coming week, family the following week, but next week on the podcast, we'll talk about both marriage and family together. Now, last week, we had a special guest with us. That was Christy Shiraz. We're so thankful for she and her husband, Gil, and their entire family for the incredible way that they bless our church. So she and I uh, spent time last week on the All In podcast talking about what does it mean to be a godly woman according to the Bible. It was probably our most listened to podcast that we've had all year. She did an incredible job. And so piggybacking off of our time together last week today, I want to talk about 13 qualities of a godly man. And that's a lot of qualities. You may not remember all of them, but I believe that all of these are taught clearly in the scripture I do believe that if you will take these qualities and begin to try to live them out in your life, you will definitely be a godly man. And just like we talked about with our our discussion on what it means to be a godly woman, this has application for all of us. If you currently are a man, you should strive every day as a follower of Jesus Christ to be a godly man. If you're a young man or you have young sons or you have a grandson or a great-grandson, this is the type of young man that you should strive to become. This is the type of young man you want him to become. If you have uh, daughters, this is the kind of young man that you want them to one day marry. If you're a, a girl or you're single listening to this, this is the kind of man that you should be striving after. If you're a mother or grandmother, these are the kinds of grandsons that you one. And just like I believe this is the case when it comes to womanhood, I believe that biblical manhood is also under fierce attack in our culture. And there's so much confusion right now in our world about what it means to be a woman and what it means to be a man. There's so much confusion about what it comes to gender. Is gender fixed or is gender fluid? Well, we believe the Bible is clear. The Bible creates us. He has made us male and female. He's made both of us in his image. That means that we are equal in our dignity. We are equal in our value. We are equal as image bearers of God. But there also is diversity. There is distinctives that make us male 
and to make us female. And God says that when we bring those together in the bond of marriage, it actually makes us better together. And so we're living in a time when it is confusion about what it means to be male, what it means to be female. There's, we're living in a time now where sometimes we are teaching that in order to be a man, you have to hunt, you have to fish, you have to do all of these kind of manly things. You can't cry. You got to be good with your fists. You got to be physically tough. You got to you got to be able to romanticize the ladies. You got to be good with the women. That's what it means to be a man. Sometimes we're living in a culture where we teach men to abdicate their responsibility. We teach men to be passive. We teach men not to be leaders. And so we train up these young men who eventually become men who don't know how to lead, who don't know how to be tough, who don't know, don't know what it means to, to live out a godly life. And sometimes you have men in culture, they abuse the authority and the leadership that God has given to them in a way that is hurtful and harmful to others. And so it's incredibly important that we make sure that we as a church family understand right and we teach well what it means to be a godly man. And I really believe that the biblical family is in serious, serious trouble. And if we want to change the world for Jesus, if we want to change our community for Jesus, if we want our church to make a difference, we have to emphasize the family. We have to strive to see families with a mom and a dad who love one another, who raise their children to know and to love Christ, who raise their young sons to grow up to be godly husbands and godly fathers, raise their little girls to grow up to be godly women who are godly mothers and godly wives. We have to invest in the family. And in order for the family to be healthy, we have to have more and more godly men. I mean, right here in our own community, a very fast-growing, rapidly-growing demographic is single moms. You've got all sorts of boys and all sorts of girls right here in our community, right here in Douglas County, right here in West Atlanta, growing up in homes where their dad is not around. And there are some boys that I minister to on a regular basis through sports and through our church, and I can see the brokenness and the wounds and the hurt and the gap that is in their life because they do not have a man in the home. Mom is doing her best. Their grandma is trying, but they need a man in their life to make a difference. God has blessed me with four sons. God blessed me to be the fourth youngest of four boys. I know boys really well. I don't know much about girls. And I feel an incredible burden to raise my sons to know and to love Jesus, to raise my sons, to love their spouse, to love their children, to live on mission, to be a godly man who makes godly decisions. And I truly believe if I will teach my four sons and I will train my two daughters to marry men like that, if my six children will get married and if those six children will then have Children who have children and children that God will use me and my wife. These two nobodies who fell in love at 14. These two nobodies to make an incredible difference for the kingdom of God for generations to come simply through the family. And I believe that godly men are vital 
to this success. So I want to read a passage of Scripture this evening, and then I want to give 13 qualities of what it means to be a godly man. This comes from the Old Testament. This is Deuteronomy chapter 6. You have Moses addressing the people of Israel. The people of Israel have just received the, the, the Ten Commandments. And then he begins to instill in the people of Israel the importance of the family, but also the importance of passing down faith and trust in God, obedience to God in the family. Now listen to what he says, Deuteronomy chapter 6, beginning in verse 1, we're, we're going to read down to verse 9. This is a vital passage of Scripture. This was a key passage of Scripture for the Jewish people, key passage of Scripture for all Christians today. Moses says these words. He says, now this is the commandment, the statutes, and the rules. Right? These are non-negotiable. This is the way it's going to be. God has a standard. God has, God has rules that we are to follow. He says that the Lord your God commanded me to teach you that you may do them in the land to which you are going over to possess it. And listen to what he says, that you may fear the Lord your God, that you may submit to him humbly in awe and in reverence. You and your son and your son's son. Man, I love that phrase, your son, but also your son's son. And what he's saying here is not just about the children that you parent and that you raise. It is about those that come after them. I've heard it said, the mark of a good parent is not your children, it's your grandchildren. Are you thinking about, as a grandparent listening to this, passing down your faith to the next generation below your children? He says, verse 2, by keeping all his statutes and his commandments, which I command you all the days of your life. We can't go through seasons where we choose to obey now, but then we choose not to obey later. We can't go through seasons where we say, oh, I'm just sowing my wild oats. It's just college. They're going to be free and wild for a while, but eventually they'll come back to Jesus. He says, no, you obey these commands all the days of your Life, so that, the end of verse 2, your days may be long. Verse 3, hear therefore, O Israel, and be careful to do them, that it may go well with you, and that you may multiply greatly. You may have more children, and that these children are a blessing to the earth and to the world, as the Lord, the God of your fathers, has promised you, and a land flowing with milk and honey. Then we come to verse 4, vital verse. Verses 4, 5, and 6 for the Jewish people. They would have repeated these verses over and over and over. He says this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. We believe in one God, the God. You shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, and with all of your mind. In other words, you must love God with all of you. Jesus repeats this. Matthew 22 Verses 37 through 40, and he says this is the first, this is the greatest commandment of all of them. And so if we want to raise godly children who know and who love Jesus, we have to teach these children to know Jesus, to love Jesus with their whole heart, with all of them. We cannot compartmentalize our relationship with Jesus. Verse 6, and these words that I command you today 
shall be on your heart. How should they be on your heart? Listen to verse 7. You shall teach them diligently, diligently all of the time to your children. I would add, your grandchildren, your great-grandchildren. And you shall talk of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, and when you rise. All the time, you should be talking about the things of God. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand. They should be as frontless between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorpost of your house and on your gates. In other words, he's instructing the family here. Listen, if you want to make sure that you fear God, if you want to make sure that you are a family that is committed to the commands and to the ways and the wills of our Creator and Savior, God, you have to be a family that talks of these things all of the time. You cannot compartmentalize your spiritual life and say that's on Sunday and Wednesday nights. He says, no, 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 no. That's when you're at the dinner table. That's when you drop them off for ball practice. That's when you drop them off for school. It's when you put them to bed at night. It's when you're watching TV. It's when they are texting on their phone. It's when they say something they shouldn't say every single moment. Think like a coach. As a grandparent, help your children as they are shepherding these children how to lead them all of the time. And again, the key, I believe, for a family like this is to have a godly man at the helm. A godly man who is leading it. And the time in which we live now is calling for more and more godly men to rise up. And not just young godly men, but for men in their 50s and 60s and 70s and 80s to continue to be faithful to lead. And so what are the qualities of a godly man? 13 of them really fast this evening. Number one, a man who is saved. This is a man who has a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. This is a man who understands he's a sinner. And this man has repented of his sin. He's turned from his sin. He's put his faith and his trust only in the perfect life the sacrificial death on the cross, and the glorious resurrection of Jesus and the Holy Spirit of God indwells in this man. You can only be a godly man if you are a saved man. Number two, a man who is devoted. A man, number one, who is devoted to God. A man who wakes up every day. He studies God's Word. He prays to the Lord. He asks the Lord today, your will be done, not my will. Will a man who is devoted to being obedient and self-controlled and to obey the commands of God, but a man is also devoted to his right horizontal relations, devoted to his wife, a faithful man to his wife. He's faithful to his grandchildren. He's devoted to his children. This is a man who works hard to make sure that his wife knows he loves her, his children knows that he's committed to them. This is a man who's going to give you all that he has because he's first and foremost devoted to God. This guy is, as we say, all in. I tell my wife all the time. She jokes. She says, you, you only have one speed. I say, yeah, the best I can do is bring it down to 95% in anything I do. Everybody knows I'm just all in all the time. And sometimes that's a little bit too much to handle. But it's a good thing when you're striving to be a godly man. Number three. A wise man, a man who is wise. A man who, according to the book of Proverbs, understands that wisdom begins with a fear of the Lord. That wisdom is having the right kind of counsel 
around you. That, that wisdom is given according to what God's word says, not according to your emotion, not according to your experience, not according to your tradition, not according to your opinion, but according to what God's word said. A man who fears God, who knows his word and who is wise. Number four, a godly man is a man who leads. This is not a man who sits on his hands. This is not a man who abdicates his responsibility. This is not a man who allows his wife to call the shots. This is not a man who just goes with the whims of the culture. This is a man who knows what God's word says. He understands his responsibility. That's a massive word for being a man. Again, I said earlier, sometimes we try to say that being a man is hunting and fishing and all these manly things. That's not what it is. Being a man is a man who is responsible. That's what being a man is. That's being a man who makes sure that he leads rightly. He does the things that it takes to lead his family. He has the tough conversations. He takes on the responsibility. He says, look, if the things around us fall apart, it's not on my wife, it's not on my kids, it's on me. This is a man that says, you know what? I can take it. I'm going to leave because that's the kind of man that God has made me to be. Number five, a godly man is a man who loves. First, he loves Jesus, but because he loves Jesus, he loves those around him. And I don't mean that he's necessarily a sappy man. Maybe he is. That he's an overly emotional man. Maybe he is. A man that cries a lot. Maybe he does. Maybe not. But he's a man that with his words, with his actions... Even with his affections, this is a man that lets other people know, I love you. Today, I had the privilege of seeing the second most influential man in my life. His name is Jimmy Scroggins. He's pastor of Family Church in West Palm Beach, Florida. He was my pastor before I came here. He was my youth pastor as a kid. and Manly man, tough man, son of a football coach, incredible motivator, six foot four, ball-headed guy, rough-looking guy. But every time I see Jimmy before I leave, he always looks at me. He always wraps his arms around me. He always says, Tim, I love you. He doesn't do it in an overly sappy way, but he does it in a way where I know that he loves me, that he cares about me. A godly man is a man that loves others well. He tells his wife how much he adores her. He tells his children that they hang the moon. He encourages his best friends. He uses his words in a motivating way to love other people. And guess what? He loves other people more than he loves himself. A vital characteristic of being a godly man is that you demonstrate selfless love. You don't love so that you get something in return. You love even when those people that you love are being unlovable. Why would you do that? I, I, I don't know. Maybe you do that because that's how Jesus Christ first loved you, even when we were unlovable. Number six, a godly man is a man who disciplines. Again, speaking in the context of the home, this is a father or a grandfather who understands that you've got to instruct, you've got to discipline, you've got to call out sinful behavior, and you do it by getting at their heart. You do it by getting at the heart of the matter, the motivation behind the sin, but also this is a man who, even in his relations with other men, he disciplines by keeping others accountable. 
He understands that when someone does wrong, they have to be disciplined, maybe even himself. They have to take discipline serious. Number seven, a godly man is a man who serves. This is an individual that looks out for the needs of others. This is an individual that always says, hey, how can I help? What can I do to be of service to you? How can I encourage you? How can I meet your needs? This is where we go and we rescue the perishing and we care for the dying. We go after the broken by getting on our hands and knees. And we do this because this is exactly what Jesus did. He got on his knees and he washed the feet of his disciples. He even washed the feet of Judas the one that would betray him. We don't just serve those that can do something for us in return. We serve those that may never be able to repay us. A godly man is one that serves just like Jesus. Number eight, a godly man is one who asks for forgiveness. I know for me that I mess up all of the time. My, my wife has a special place in heaven for putting up with me for all of these years. My mom as well. I was a knucklehead as a boy. As men, we're going to make mistakes. As men, we're not going to be perfect. One of the worst things that we can do as men that when we mess up, we dig in our heels and we get stubborn and we say, no, 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 no. If I ask for forgiveness, if I admit that I was wrong, I'm going to lose face. I got to save face. No, you look like a stubborn moron when you do that. Instead, when you mess up and you understand that you mess up, you acknowledge it and you ask for Forgiveness, you say, I am so sorry. Will you please forgive me? I can't tell you how many times I've had to do that with my wife or with my children. But they respect that and they love that because I'm admitting my mistakes. Number nine, a godly man is a man who forgives others. You cannot be a bitter man. You cannot be a resentful man. You cannot be a jealous man. You cannot be a man that's holding on to grudges and be a godly man. You can't. You cannot. You understand that Jesus Christ first forgave you. So you in turn forgive others, even those that maybe have passed away. You've been holding on to that grudge for a long time. You've got to let it go. You've got to let God deal with it. God is perfectly just. You are not. You let it go. You forgive others. Why? Because God in Christ first forgave you. You, as the Bible tells us. Number 10, a godly man is a man who is joyful. He's a man who has the Spirit of God living in him. He understands that he's been saved. So even when his circumstances around him may not be perfect, he doesn't get down the dumps. He's not grumpy. He's not upset. He's a man full of joy. He understands that he uh, serves a God who's in control that he can trust in the will of the Lord. He's a man that has the joy of the Lord about him. He's the kind of man you want to be around. Number 11, a godly man is a man who listens. This isn't a man that's all about himself. It's not a man that's always telling you his opinion or giving you his facts or reading off his resume or telling you all the great things about him. No, he's a man that comes home. He calls you on the phone. He meets you for lunch. He sits down and he asks you questions question after question. This past week, we had an incredible pastor at our church named Dr. Crawford Loritz and his sweet wife, Karen. They've done ministry for many, many years, written many books, very well-known people, and I had the privilege of spending some time with them in my office before the service, and I had so many questions I was ready to ask them, to glean from them. But the moment we sat down, they began to ask me question 
after question, after question, and they just listened. And they exuded this incredible humility to try to come and serve me because of the godliness in their life. Number 12, a godly man is a man who is trusted. This man loved the truth. This man knows the truth. This man fights for the truth. This man defends the truth. And this man lives out the truth. You don't got to check on this guy's phone. You're not nervous about what he's doing, where he's at. Is he double speaking? Is he running around? Is his yes, yes? Is his no, no? Is his word truly his bond? No, a godly man. You can take what he says to the bank every single day of the week and twice on Sunday. He is trusted. And then third, 13th and finally, a godly man is a man who strives every day, every day, to be like Jesus. We're never going to be like Jesus, but this is the goal. This is what we are to strive after every single day. And if we will have a church, and if we will have families that have men that strive every day to be loving, to be selfless, to be flexible, and to be understanding, we will have a church, we will have families, and then eventually we will have a community and a world full of godly men. The hour is calling for it. We are in desperate need. May more godly men rise up to the challenge. Well, I hope you've enjoyed our podcast this evening. Look forward to seeing you back on the podcast for our last episode for a break before for a break through the summer. And then we'll be back in the fall. I pray you have a wonderful, wonderful week. God bless. Mm -hmm.